You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. This is episode number eight uh, with special guest uh, Katie Brennan on today. Um, I'm your host, Andrew Rains, founder of one-on-one football. Um, and as always, great. I'm joined uh, by the co-host, uh, Harry Simington. Welcome on board again, Harry, for another great episode, mate. This one, probably one of your favourites and, and close friend and mentor. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Rez. It's um, good to be back. Episode number eight. We've um, we've had some really insightful conversations here on the show. Um, seven of them so far. And a lot of our different guests have sort of come from um, di- or are currently in different stages of their of their football journey. But um Aside from um, Sally Riley in episode four, all our guests so far um, have actually been ex-players. Um, so today, however, we get to chat to an athlete who is still playing footy, um, and after the season, she's having arguably at the uh, the, peak, the peak of her career. So I think the listeners are in for a real treat today. Yeah, spot on, mate. And, and one of our missions here with the podcast is to bring listeners content from all different perspectives within the AFL world or Aussie rules football. Um, if there's anyone out there that knows modern-day women's football, it's Katie Brennan. Another topic we really want to focus today w- with her is around uh, mid-forward craft. Um, and obviously, starting from scratch, she's really pioneered AFLW and, and quite a marquee player in, in, in the space now. Yeah, spot on. She's um, She's been a real icon for women's footy since the first exhibition match, actually, back in uh, in 2013. So she's been, she's sort of ridden the course. Um, and that's only grown when the, when the AFL... W competition became a, a, a national um, comp back in 2017. She's um, she actually captained the Western Bulldogs for their first three seasons, and then um, when uh, when Richmond joined the league as as part of the extension last year, she uh, she moved to Punt Road and uh, and once again was rent, was named as the inaugural captain. Uh, now, mate, I'm not sure there's too many people out there that can say they're the uh, the inaugural captain at two different clubs. No, it's a bit of a rare feat, isn't it? And um, no doubt her leadership, her professionalism and, and the way she goes about things is, um, yeah, as I said before, I think our listeners are in for a real treat. But you've experienced this firsthand, mate. Um, can you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So I've um, I've been lucky enough to know Katie for about uh, nine years now, I think. Um, we actually used to train together back on the Gold Coast um, under our strength and conditioning coach at the time, Joey Hayes. Um, and yeah, I just great, remember her. Great work. Joey Hayes. The great Joey, I think he's had a couple of mentions now on the podcast. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, Joey used to run like a, um, an off-season camp and um, for footballers. And I just remember Katie's work ethic and um, and her competitiveness back when she was training with the boy uh, with the boys. And I remember her running rings around most of the uh, most of the guys, myself included. Um, and yeah, she just seemed to set herself at a higher standard than um, than the rest. Um, yeah, and then fast forward to the present day, and we both live in Melbourne. Um, I actually coach at her AFLW Academy, KB Performance. Um, and yeah, like you said, I'm lucky enough to, to see her leadership firsthand um, on a weekly basis, uh, something we'll no doubt dive into a little bit later on. So without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, this is episode eight with Katie Brennan. Welcome to the show, Katie. I know you're a busy person, so thanks for uh, taking the time to come and chat to us. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, I might get you um, to give our listeners just a bit of an overview on um, on yourself. Where did you sort of first fall in love with the game of footy? And, um, yeah, how has that sort of developed into where you are today with your role as both an athlete and a leader? Um, so, for me, I first fell in love with the game, I think, maybe when I was sort of four or five years old. Um, both of my parents were Victorian, so I felt like footy was always in the blood for me. And um, I grew up in Queensland and naturally just followed my big brother and did everything that he did. So we started kicking in the backyard 
um, I think as soon as we could walk and um, yeah, we just continued the, um, I guess the love for footy for many years. Um, I remember there's so many memories of um, packing our lunches in an esky and taking it down the paddock and, um, you know, like bringing some sandwiches and some, some cordial and water down there and just being out there for hours and hours. And um, I remember that when he got tired of kicking the footy with me, um, that I'd go and kick it against the trampoline um, back home as well. So, yeah, some really fond memories of growing up um, in Queensland, playing junior footy, um, going to the Brisbane Lions games when they were running hot in the 2000s. And um, I just had this, yeah, really deep love for the game from a very early age. Well, sounds like we've got a bit in common there. I think we're all Queenslanders, grew up in, in Queensland, and, and obviously the, the game isn't the number one code, um, as, as we know, but... Similar to you, Cody, I grew up in that, that sort of Lions era where they were just absolutely unbeatable. You go to the Gabba and, wow, what a team they were. And sometimes I always talk about um, to people probably the greatest team of all time. So we, we, we were privileged in that sense. Um, but on the other sense, we weren't with obviously a lot of other sports being part of school and things like that. But growing up in Queensland and obviously the Gold Coast hinterland, um, you then uh, obviously moved to Melbourne um, and made the transition down there. VFLW Premiership with... Darabin in your first season. Um, how much of your decision to move in a state was motivated by football? Um, and what were some of the challenges associated with moving at sort of such a young age? And any young girls looking to sort of take their career to, to interstate um, and try and grow? Yeah, I think for me, um, from a very long age, uh, young age, we used to come to Melbourne um, once a year and go skiing at Mount Buller. And I just always loved um, the atmosphere of footy down here. And I loved that footy was on the back page. Uh, I love that it was talked about on the radio and that it's almost like a religion here in Melbourne. And I think um, from my earliest memories, I just always wanted to move to Melbourne to, to play here. And we had some family here as well. Um, so I think when I finally got to the age of finishing high school and I was um, sort of my first, first year of uni, I think it was, um, where you're almost old enough to just be able to, to do that and make those decisions. I just remember sitting in a lecture one day and just thinking, um, you know, it's where I want to be. And I just had this massive pull for, um, for I guess, we, there was no AFL women's competition at that time. Like AFL women's has only been going for the last five years. But um, I just wanted to, to be there for what was going to happen. And I knew that the, the AFL um, or the women's side of the game was starting to gain some momentum and, I almost wanted to be at the, the forefront of that and just be included in it um, and to just be a part of the excitement. And it was about um, maybe two months before I actually moved, I came down to, to visit my mum here in Melbourne and I just um, went to the Darabin training sessions and I knew a lot of the girls from our All-Australian camps that we used to go on and um, the nationals that we used to play. And um, yeah, just that first experience at Darabin um, was, you know, two sessions within the week and then I, I stayed for an extra week. So I ended up there four sessions and I was just sold. It was, you know, I was around the likes of Daisy Pierce and Darcy Vessio and Astro O'Connor and Melissa Hickey. It was all these, um, I guess, names that we now know. Some are retired, but in the AFL women's and now becoming household names. And it was just this powerhouse of a club that, um, yeah, I just really wanted to be a part of. So um, to answer your question in terms of if there's any tips that I have, um, it would just be to follow your heart. If you've got a, a pull to want to be somewhere and to have an experience and to go on a journey, then just back yourself. And it's going to be tough at times. But I think the beauty of footy clubs is that you end up creating family within them. And, you know, you've got um, 
whether it's 30 on a list, 30 other mates that you can, um, you know, uh, find some, uh, I guess, friendship or find some support in and um, for you to just go after your dreams of where you want to play and, and just to... Yeah, for sure. And um, you mentioned some pretty big names there playing for Darum, a bit of a, a bit of a powerhouse back in the day. Um, what was the what was the difference in terms of uh, the standard of footy moving from from Queensland to to the VFLW? Um, and how did that sort of influence your individual development as a player? Yeah, I guess at the time, and it's completely different now. Like credit to to Queensland and AFL Queensland who have um, put in a power of work to grow. Um, the, ga- the game from grassroots level all the way to, you know, the Brisbane Lions are an outstanding outfit at the moment and have been for the last three or four years within the competition. But um, I think at the time it was probably still just a bit underdeveloped and I wanted to just go chase um, the highest level of footy there. And I certainly think it um, contributed to, um, I guess, my development because I was around those big names and just learning from all of those girls um, who are now, yeah, superstars in, in the AFL women's. And I was just of the belief that I didn't even know if I was going to get a game for Darabin. I just thought that I'd go there and just want to be around them and, and want to learn. And um, I think some people can often go to clubs for opportunity and just want to sort of get out there and play. But I wanted to go there to grow and actually, you know, if I, if I wasn't playing the first season, that's fine, but I'd be around these girls to learn their habits and, and learn how they go about it and, um, and just to learn as much as I can from them. So it was such an amazing um, journey at Darabin. Um, we ended up winning, winning five flags in a row and um, it was just, yeah, a phenomenal period of time where, um, you know, we just learnt so much together. We grew as a team and were able to put some really amazing, well, Grow, you did, and if you fast forward, obviously, to today, um, your, your image and brand as a marquee player has really grown over the past sort of five years. How have you found the balance between off-field commitments, um, appearances and things like that, um, and your performance on the Yeah, it's a, a really good question. I think it's one that you've got to almost check yourself, um, you know, whether it's daily or monthly, um, to make sure that you're, um, I guess, still working on your processes as a, an athlete and... Um, your footy does the talking and I think there was probably um, almost a I felt a responsibility at the start of AFL Women's to for there was a few of us that were almost asked to to do a lot of things for the league and you felt responsible to to try and grow the league and um, to say yes to everything Um, and it sort of took me a couple of years to actually realize that you didn't have to do everything and you could say no and not to feel bad about it in a sense. And I think it's so different to what the boys go through because some boys, you know, they have to tick off their hours for um, the ASA contracts, um, but they don't have to do everything because the lead's um, established. Whereas we were in such a different position where um, you almost felt like, yeah, you had to sort of do it all and responsibility was was placed on a, a fair few players, you know, within especially within the inaugural years of the competition. Um, so yeah, fast forward to, to now, it's nice to almost sit back and um, uh, like almost be selective on some of the things that you want to do, but just think more about putting energy into your teammates, um, putting energy into the footy club. And I think for us, you know, we're we're a startup still, we're our second year in the competition. And if I can be putting, um, you know, more energy into where we're going as a group um, and let sort of um, other girls step into the role of promoting the league, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I've, 
um, you know, flicked in the last sort of year or so. And I think as a result, you almost play better footy because of it. And you're not sort of taking the world of the, uh, the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah, for sure. And um, as a result of that, I guess, um, the growth mindset, uh, not only of, of yourself and the team, but also the league, um, there's a lot more opportunity out there now for, for young girls who want to who wanna play footy and um, a lot more than there was five years ago, which is something that, that you've been a, a big part of as a marquee player. Um, what's the most pleasing thing from your perspective, seeing, um, seeing the growth and the development of the AFL, AFLW? It would just be the opportunity, um, the opportunity and playing capacity for girls to be able to go out there and play in AFL colours for premiership points um, and, you know, with expansion and new teams coming in provides that opportunity. Um, but it would also be sort of the interest from younger levels and at that grassroots level that, you know, now that they can see the girls out there on the big stage, girls now know that, um, they don't have to leave the sport and that there is a pathway, whether it is through the elite pathway or it's just through playing social footy and enjoying the sport. Um, I think that that is the most pleasing thing. And I think if I almost picture um, what makes me so happy about, um, you know, grassroots footy, it would be seeing young girls out there kicking, particularly through COVID. I saw this a lot um, here in Melbourne, but out there with their dads and their brothers and just kicking um, on the local fields um, and just having fun and you don't often see, um, and particularly growing up in Queensland, you would never really see young girls out there kicking together, um, on a field and, and now it's almost the norm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly, I think, and Rainsy, you might be able to talk to this, but you often don't reflect on how much of an impact you make as an athlete, um, when you're playing and, and you've got to, you know, maybe it's when you retire or, or you take time during your career to sit back and just think about um, just being a part of it, you almost inspire the next generation coming through to pick up a footy and, and just to play our great game. Yeah, it's a good one. And, and I do reflect now. And, and I think you've got to have reflections during your career too. I was listening to the Dustin Martin interview with, with Nick Rewalt um, the other night. And uh, Dustin talks a bit about, um, you know, having those moments of, you know, obviously what he's achieved, unlike a lot of uh, any player um, in the competition. But he has those little reflection moments. I think, think that is important. So obviously yours, you talk about you see that you've grown and helped um, pioneer the game where girls are having <laughs> kicks on the field and things like that. And I'll obviously get mine up here in Queensland where you see more AFL being played in the schoolyard or, or on weekends and things like that. And, and you realise that you're tipping a lot back into the game and just to see how it's sort of grown. Um, Talk about opportunity. Um, there's no bigger opportunity than Punt Road. Um, it's quite it's changed since I've been there. Um, I like to say I've pioneered, um, pioneered a bit of success these days. There's nothing like it was when I was playing there. Um, we used to battle off with a wooden spoon a bit and, and finish on that uh, infamous number nine uh, position each year. But um, talk to the listeners about obviously the life of an AFL player, playing for Richmond in the AFLW, and then obviously managing your business and how that sort of works um, each week. It's... Um... It's a, I guess it's a pretty cool and amazing lifestyle. It comes with its challenges from time to time, but um, as we just talked about, you almost pinch yourself to, to think about, um, you know, just the opportunity to be, um, we talk about, you know, semi-professional athletes or we're moving towards being professional athletes. And I think that that opportunity was something that I could never have really imagined um, when I was a young girl um, to be paid to play and, and to be able to, um, represent a big club like, like Richmond and, and, um, be in a leadership position. It's just a, yeah, it's a dream come true. So 
Um, in terms of managing uh, business and, and footy, um, the demands of AFL Women's is getting more and more. We train sort of after hours and um, from sort of we're at the club anywhere between sort of 3.30 and we don't get out of there till like 9 o'clock or, or 10 o'clock depending on, on meetings. And um, I think for, for that at the moment, um, you know, sort of most of my time is, is during the day and you almost work, um, you know, your work hours during the day and then you do sort of another full day at night time to train. But um, it's, yeah, it's an amazing lifestyle. Um, it comes with so many, um, you know, great opportunities and, um, yeah, I'm just really loving being at the Richmond Footy Club and, and really loving being a part of a, a new program that we're building from the ground up and um, we've had some some success this year coming off the back of um, zero wins last year. We've got three wins so far and we've got one more game to go. So it's just been a really amazing journey and um, just one that I'm really, really... Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned building the um, building the club from the ground up and I think being a leader in, in any organisation comes with enough challenges as is, but um, but actually building an entire culture from scratch is, um, you know, sort of a, another kettle of fish. And um, I'd love to sort of find out how you reflect on um, Richmond's winless first year in the AFLW compared to this year where, um, you know, you've had your first win and, and it really looks like the girls are starting to gel. And um, yeah, what was the sort of catalyst there? And um, was it was it always just a you know a couple of weeks away, or is it something that you really had to change um, between last year and this year? Yeah, I thought that we um, really built some foundations last year. I think um, you know we've really tried to adopt um, the Richmond brand and almost the way that replicate the way that the boys go about it. I think we'd be silly not to because they're they're such a powerhouse within the last few years. And although the programs are different and the um, the game itself is different, the women's sort of versus the men's. But, um, you know, we've tried to implement a lot of the things that they implement um, off the field in a, a sort of culture and connection um, space as well. So I think from um, this year comparing to, to last year, um, we've got a, a new coach who has been a part of the men's program since 2016. So we almost went through the challenges of 16 and what that season presented to the boys and how they, um, you know, how they grew to 2017, winning the, the first premiership and then that success going from there. And he's been massive in um, teaching us to not ride the highs and the lows as much as, um, you know, we probably did last year. And um, just off air before we, um, we started this, we were talking about we had a, a round two Gold Coast game that we lost last year and it was almost a bit of a defining point in our season, we weren't able to um, to almost come back from that because we thought it was going to be the game that we won. So um, fast forward to now, we haven't really walked into any games thinking that we are going to win them. It was more about the process and thinking about getting better every training session and bringing our best and then um, getting better every single quarter and thinking more around the process of what we're doing and really trying to... So that's been one of the biggest things. And then secondly, we talked about, um, you know, bringing those um, mid-tier leaders in. We had um, some experience injected into the team um, with Sarah Hosking, um, Harriet Cordner, Sarah Darcy. Um, so three girls that have played A for women's from the very start and they almost bring, I think it's nearly like 100 games of A for women's experience, which is massive in the women's league. Um, and that's just been phenomenal for us and the leadership of our group and the culture of our group, as well as getting um, Ellie McKenzie, number one draft pick, who's an absolute jet and will be, um, she's, you know, a big part of our future going forward. So I think a bit of a change in the list as well, uh, bringing some experience in. 
um, and also being really hungry to improve. It's one of our, our values and, and something that we try to, to work on every session. Yeah, it's amazing. I think um, I think in the AFLW landscape, it's it's important to forge your own, obviously, team within that uh, club. So obviously having the AFLW team there at Richmond, obviously the, the men's program too and the AFL team. But it's also too, I think the quicker the, the women can actually um, obviously immerse themselves with the men's leadership and cultural style, especially, as you said, be mad not to at Richmond, mm-hmm. I think the better off you're going to be. And it sounds like you guys have done that and you talk about the process more. It's a bit of a... It is a cliche, and a lot of people do, do use it, but it's actually true. I've been in environments and organisations that do focus on that, um, you know, being in the moment and, and don't worry about the outcome because it will come. And it sounds like, obviously, you guys have improved on that. Um, is there anyone in the leadership space? We always talk a bit about leadership on this um, on this show. Um, is there anyone in over sort of your journey or actually at the club at the moment to help you develop your leadership style? And what type of um, leader are you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's probably two main people um, within the club that have have really helped and they're actually part of the the men's program as well, being Ben Crow, probably more from a personal mentor point of view. And the other one would be Shane McCurry. And um, so both both Ben and Shane are are big parts of, as I said, the men's program, but we've been able to work with them in the women's and, and I personally have been able to work with them um, on an individual level and they've just provided, um, you know, so much mentorship and, and so much insight into um, leadership and, and the fact that there's no one way to lead, um, there's no almost, there's no right way to lead, but if you can continue to know more about yourself, um, have self-awareness, um, know more about your story and, and almost um, like work on yourself to, to be a better leader and I think that I've gone on a a big journey with Ben Crow um, with that lately and it's just um, you know it helps so much when you do know yourself to be able to lead others and lead with empathy um, and I think that that's probably going back to your question that's almost my leadership style I think I used to almost just lead by example and, and probably um, lead with my football out there on the park but um, after being injured in the first couple of years I was really forced to um, develop better connections with my teammates, um, learn more about them and um, learn more about their experiences and why they are the way they are and why they make the decisions they make and how to get the most out of each individual within our team. I think that journey has been really rewarding because you just come outside of yourself so much more and um, you're able to to impact others, you're able to um, almost bring the group together and and really um, help your performance um, on and off the field. So... I'd say that those two have been, um, yeah, really big in in sort of um, my journey so far, along with many other people at the club. They've, we've just got an incredible support network at the club. Um, you know, my leadership group as well. They're just amazing. We're really good at um, communicating and spreading the load. And I'm always a big believer that leaders create leaders too. It's almost like you want to empower your your leadership team and and those that don't have a title as well just step up in moments where um, they might need to. So that's almost my style to sit back at times and um, lead when you need to, but also um, sort of, yeah, more action-based and and, um, sometimes not as many words as you you need to just. Yeah, that's great. And that um, actually leads really well into our our next question about, um, I guess, the the extra responsibility that you do take on as a captain. 
um, I guess as a captain, you sort of find yourself in a unique situation where you're juggling not only the responsibility of your own performance, but also the performance of pretty much the entire organization. Um, and this is something you're quite used to. You've had the, uh, the responsibility of the captain for your entire AFRW career to date. Um, do you think that this responsibility helps or hinders your own individual performance or is it, um, is it a bit of both? And um, yeah, what are your sort of experiences um, as a captain in the AFRW? I think it's a really good question. Um, I, I don't think either, like I don't think it, um, you know, I don't think it hinders and then sometimes um, it is challenging. So it often um, it doesn't help your on-field performance at times. But one thing that I do think is that it challenges you to, to be more than just a player within the team. Like I think when you're going through, um, whether it's a, you know, a challenging situation, um, like an injury or, um, you know, last year there was, um, you know, media scrutiny around how we were performing as a team and how I was performing. And I think that um, it almost forces you and challenges you to just come outside of yourself and to move forward and to just process it all um, and mm. to just get better in a sense because you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for, for everyone. And that's the beauty of being a part of, um, you know, a team sport as well. So I do think that, yeah, leadership does challenge you to, um, yeah, to, to move through, um, to know that you've, you've got to turn up and um, almost, um, whether it is sometimes fake a smile if you're not feeling, you know, yourself or if you're, you're going through a challenging time, but you've got to be there for your teammates and you've got to almost be level with how you turn up. And um, so, yeah, it is a, an amazing um, journey and it's a, it is a responsibility, but it's one that um, I do really enjoy because I think you can impact um, not only your teammates to get the most out of them and, and really empower them, but um, I think you can, yeah, impact, um, you know, a, a program and, um, and all. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the um, the people you surround yourself with sort of um, allow that to, to come to fruition. And um, I know you and your, your, you're quite good at surrounding yourself with, with the type of people that will help take, you, take yourself forward. And um, now, mate, as a, as a sort of a second topic for the um, for the podcast, we'd like to sort of dive into the um, the midfielder forward craft and, um, and sort of, yeah, some of your um, tips and tricks playing that role. Um, at 174 centimetres, you're the perfect size to play either um, a marking tall, a marking target or a tall midfielder. Um, I know that you grew up playing key forward and um, you're quite familiar with that role, um, but how have you found your new role this year? Um, sort of pinch hitting in the midfield um, whenever you're needed, but then obviously able to um, to push forward and hit the scoreboard. Yeah, it has been um, pretty fun to get up around the footy a little bit more. I think last year, pretty much 100% mid and it. It didn't really suit, um, I guess, my my skill set, but it was what we needed for the team at the time. And, um, yeah, I think this year we've got, um, you know, a really emerging um, midfield group that are doing some great things and winning some um, winning some really tough ball at the coalface and, and really sort of giving us service within that forward line. So um, they're doing a fantastic job. But just to be able to start sometimes in centre bounces and, and shift forward, we talk about um, just disrupting a little bit and disrupting the, their mid um, and back line um, just to, to be able to float one more up into the, the contest from our high half forward line. Um, and we sort of just make that swap as we wish out there on the field. So just the license to do so has been, um, yeah, really awesome. Um, but it's also the hard work that a lot of our small forwards do to, to put the pressure on and it makes sort of our, our job as keys um, a hell of a lot easier. Um, we really, you know, base our game off a high pressure and 
a chaos style similar to what the boys do and um, I think that, yeah, that's only possible from, you know, your small forwards and, and those girls who are putting on, um, you know, all of that pressure to lock it in. So starting in the mid and being able to just sort of um, play the game more in our forward half is our, is um, you know, what we intend to do. And I think that, as I said, those small forwards putting the pressure on locking it in helps me just to, to glide down and, and um, yeah, just be amongst the, the forward group as well. Sounds like the uh, AFLW version of Dusty, the role you play, um, Cardi. So, um, and then probably leading on to that with the, with your marking ability, um, especially cont- contested situations, is really standing out this year. Um, can you tell us a bit more about how you've worked on um, the the marking craft, or any particular things you've got, or, or drills that you do to really spark that um, ability to mark, um, especially this year with with some really good um, you know contested marks you've been performing. Yeah, I think um, marking's probably always been something. Marking and kicking are the two skills that I've almost enjoyed the most about the game. And I think it's probably um, when you really enjoy those parts of the game and, um, you know, they bring you joy by practising them, you almost perform better out there um, just because you've got more time um, either kicking the footy or or practising your marking craft. And um, I've done a, a fair bit of work um, with Harry actually through the COVID period, just working on some, um, you know, fast balls coming in and a bit of hand-eye coordination. Um, we've been using some med balls and, and those bits and pieces just through that, um, you know, that COVID time where there was no footy and um, we didn't really have an opportunity to get out there and play. But that's, um, I reckon that's definitely helped the hand side of things. Um, we do a bit of <laughs> this, again, it just goes back to having a bit of fun, but we have some individual development time within our, um, training sessions and just jumping on the specky bag and having it's not it's not about taking speckies because I it's definitely not my strength to um, you know take speckies out there on the ground I don't think I've ever really taken a, a big grab like that but it was more um, having the confidence of jumping at the ball in pack situations or just coming out at the footy um, and having the confidence to sort of take it on and I think that that's again we do that for a bit of fun post training but it almost helps um, just your yeah, for you to back yourself in those contested situations. And I must say that um, some of the delivery this year has made it such a pleasure to, to be a forward. Um, our girls and their foot skills and our kicking inside 50 um, has just made it, yeah, really easy to take some of those those marks. So um, a big credit to our midfield and, and the, the girls that are, um, you know, giving us opportunity. Uh, very modest as always. The uh, the <laughs> got to got to give some credit where it's due. Those mids are quite a good uh, midfield group at the moment, actually. Young young up and coming um, stars in there, but no doubt also down to your own marking craft. Um, and as you mentioned before, Matt, your um the other th- the other, one of your other favourite skills is um, is the kicking side of things. Um, and your ball use is, is definitely one of the things that um, yeah really sets you apart, particularly your kicking. Um, what do you put your your foot skills down to? Um, obviously, you mentioned you were you grew up kicking around in the backyard. Is it um, is it just reps, or is there anything um, particular that 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 you like to do, or that you teach the um, the young girls at the academy that that you coach in regards to kicking skills? I think um, it definitely has come down to to reps and loving having a kick at the footy. Um, you know, particularly from a young age, it was something that I just really enjoyed doing. Um, uh, yeah, it was just I always had a footy in my hand, even through. I remember. I went to an all-girls um, high school and we wore skirts and leather shoes and I would always still take a footy with me to, to high school and have a kick around and get as many girls involved as possible. So I think from a, a very young age, it was just having a footy in my hand. And then, um, yeah, I guess more in recent times, it's just um, we talk a lot about 
um, you know, it's great to improve the things that um, maybe some of your, you know, your areas for improvement or your weaknesses um, within your game. But we talk a lot at Richmond about just making your, your strength stronger and actually just working on your weapons. And so um, I feel like kicking has been, again, one of my favorite things to do and why I love the game. Um, and so just by continuing to work on that, I think you're able to sort of, yeah, execute out, of, out there on the field and, and almost have the confidence to go after some kicks or... Um, I like to, to sort of get some distance on kicks so we can gain some territory and play the game in our forward half. So that's probably something that I try and go to on game days just to, to surge it forward and, and um, yeah, get it down there as quick as possible. Now, with your uh, with any good footballer, they're always got to watch someone growing up or, or try and model their game. Even as a as, even as a professional, you obviously try and model your game on someone. Mine was um, it was Nigel Lappin. We talked about the great Brisbane mm-hmm. team fair uh, while ago now, but when we grew up and. Nigel was just such a gut runner, um, really skilled player. I remember playing, um, seeing him on the Gabba just run up and down the wings and go inside and do what he did. So, him was there anyone from that Brisbane uh, team that you sort of followed and, and moulded your game off um, when you were a kid or, or even now? Um, had, have you had sort of those role models or, or some players you've always looked up to? Yeah, there's always been. I've had, um, I guess, a select. Um, few players I think when you almost model your game off one player um, you miss opportunities to grab other you know other little bits from from other players and I always um, admired Vossi and how he went about his leadership and you know how hard he was at the ball and um, I definitely I wear number three because of of him now Um, but I love Jonathan Brown the way that he went about it and obviously his contested marking and his goal kicking. So there were probably two growing up. And then um, just more recently, um, like Buddy and the way that he he goes about it, his goal kicking, his ability to win the ball up the ground and um, and his work rate to get back down there and just kick goals from anywhere. So I think, um, you know, there's a <laughs> also probably Dusty now um, and the way that he goes about it. So I think there's, yeah, there's often... Um, you know, some role models growing up and then they you just adapt um, as you, you find more and more um, players to look up to and, and players to model your game off. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and as girls start picking up footy from a younger age, they've obviously got um, their own role models now in the, in the AFLW, which was something that um, perhaps didn't, um, or, well, didn't exist um, when you were growing up. Um, but as they do, as they do start, um, let's say playing footy a little bit younger and, and looking up to, to, to those role models, um, the games only get more and more skillful. Um, and we've seen some, um, you know, incredible draftees come through the, through the comp in the past couple of years. And you, you mentioned Ellie McKenzie before, I think, um, you know, probably one of the, one of the best footballers at her age that I've seen, um, bloke, uh, guys or girls. Who's the, um, who's the most talented player that you played with? Um, and, and what do you think it is that, that really sets them apart from from everyone else in the in the current AFLW competition. Mm. Good question. Um, I think Daisy Pierce would be the t- most talented um, that I've played with in terms of a, her footy brain and just how um, just how she turns up to to contests and how she almost knows where the footy's going. She, everything slows down around her, and um, she's a, a really smart footballer. Um, but to second that, I actually think Ellie is, is almost one of the best players that I've played with from a talent point of view. And I think she's quite a smart footballer, but naturally I think she's a really complete footballer as well. Like she can kick goals. She's good at ground level. She's really strong in the air and can take good marks. She's got, you know, um, 
skills left and right side of the body. Like I, I really think that she's going to be um, just a, an outstanding footballer for us going forward and, and in her own right. And um, she'll only continue to, to grow and, and develop, but just her confidence and how she takes it on and runs down the wing and has a few bounces. Like I think, um, yeah, she's a, a really complete footballer with all the different skills. So I think that she's going to be, she is already, but is going to be an absolute star in the future. Yeah, and you talk about being a complete player. What completes a player too is their off-field preparation. Um, I hear you've got some great pre-game routines. Um, you know, the finer details, um, a bit more if you can explain around your sort of pre-game routines or anything um, that's worth uh, passing on to our listeners. Harry um, is was a complete off-field player coming through the academy. Um, so I don't know if you guys have got some similarities there, but can you share us a bit around your sort of pre-game routines? I think our similarities kind of obsessive compulsive wanting to tick every single box. <laughs> That's where we, we relate 100%. a lot. But um, I've always been a big believer as your, your pregame almost starts after your last game. And um, most recently, um, it's been about developing a bit of a system um, more so than thinking about the outcome. And, you know, the outcome will be how you perform on that day or the outcome is sort of the game, but how you prepare for that in all different areas, um, you know, at the start of the week to, to set you up for a really good game. And um, for me, it's sort of finding, going under three different areas. So your mind, um, it could be like meditation, could be imagery, it could be, um, you know, just having some mindfulness. So trying to tick three or four boxes in that area of what I feel like I need most. Um, the next one would be your body, getting your body right. So whether it's um, you know, icing sore spots, um, jumping in the ocean, doing an ice bath, um, massage, whatever it might be. So ticking a few boxes from that area. And then the last one being your craft. So ticking off areas within your craft that you might want to um, continue to work on as we said, our strengths, or um, it might be an area of improvement that you want to work on through the week to go into the game, um, you know, really confident in, in your ability to do that. So um, as I said, I'd try and tick off three or four sections um, within those those three pillars or those those three areas. And um, I just, just think for me that that is the system that I'm finding that is really working. And um, it's starting to, to give me a lot of confidence going into games, knowing that, um, you know, that I am prepared. And you can almost just go out there on game day and, and know that you've done that preparation and, and just play. I think sometimes um, we can use game day as a you know, like a, still the training session and wanting to, to think too much and work on certain areas. But if you just go into game day with sort of two or three focuses of what, what you can control and, and how you can go about it, then your mind just doesn't get in the way and you can get into flow, which I think is such a, a massive part of playing football. The mind is, is so powerful. So I love that one, Harry. Oh, I love that one. Mind, bo- mind body and craft. Yeah, um, and that was definitely something I also reflected on my career too. I think that's amazing, Cody. And, something that um you know sort of young footballers can follow yeah absolutely and um just on that note katie is there anything um any advice that you'd uh, like to leave the the listeners with we're sort of about to uh, about to wrap it up but um yeah any any advice you'd give to, to to young young girls out there who sort of want to follow in your footsteps and um and yeah maybe make it to the to the aflw one day um i guess my advice would just be to continue having fun playing footy and i think if you are really enjoying it then um, you often go out there and practice more, you have a footy more in your hands um, and it sort of leads you to 
to getting into talent pathways if that's what you wish to do. So um, having fun would be, yeah, definitely sort of my first, um, you know, point of advice. I think you can sometimes, and we would all know in our given um, football pathways so far that you can you can sometimes get into sort of the high performance, um, you know, area, whether it is playing at the AFL or, or mate, Harry VFL. Um, and you can sometimes lose the love for footy because you're, you're trying to get better and there's pressure, there's outside influences, there's selection, there's injuries, there's all these different things that um, can al almost alter your love for the game. So if you can go back to why you started playing footy and, and why you love it and just footy at, at its purest form is fun and that's why we, we all got into the game and it's all why we love it. So if you can remember to do that, um, if you are pursuing a, um, a pathway in footy, then... Yeah, I think that that will hold you in good stead. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's that's great advice. I think um, yeah, sort of emphasizing the, the the need to to, I guess, retain the love and, and and the play side of footy is um is yeah really key for for long term success. Um, Katie, that's it. Uh, that's that's it. We've come to the end of the episode. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, we're we're wary of your time. You're quite a busy person, but um, yeah, I know I learned heaps, and hopefully the uh, the listeners did too. Um. Congrats on a, on a great start to the season. Good luck for the last game. And um, yeah, once again, thanks for joining us on the one-on-one -on -one football podcast. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Good luck, Cardi. Thank thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one -on -one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at one-on-onefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode.